0: So this is FX Medicine and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us here on stage at the sixth Bioceuticals Research Symposium is Dr. Denise Finesse. <laughs> Denise.
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: Denise, firstly, a warm welcome to you. You've been where? India? Yes. A long trip.
1: Yes. <laughs> Delayed.
0: <I'm, laughs>
1: yeah, still recovering, but yes, I'm here. And yeah.
0: also you've been over to New Zealand to the AMA Yes, conference.
1: yep, I was there a few weeks ago.
0: Listening today to the first two speakers, I think one of the the sort of running threads is this theme of that at some stage you've got to lessen the load of antigenic material in Mm -hmm. these people and that of course is detoxification. Can you tell us about firstly the utility of genetic testing with regards to detoxification? Mm.
1: So um, I think everyone here at the conference and the the talks I've been giving, as you said, in India and New Zealand the last few weeks have really revolved a lot around the chemicals and toxins in our environment. So there's no doubt that we are being exposed to more and more um, of these things. And in some ways, it's almost impossible to to avoid these kind of chemicals and toxins. Um, Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, um, because you can identify these things, some of us are going to be more susceptible. So um, when we think about genetics, we obviously have our phase one detoxification enzymes, the cytochrome P450s. And depending on uh, the genetics that you've inherited, you might be a fast metabolizer of some chemicals, toxins, pharmaceuticals, uh, hormones, um, or you may be a slow metabolizer. And that is particularly important um, in regards to your phase two detoxification enzymes. So with phase one, you've got that huge family of cytochrome P450s. Um, phase two, we have a whole range of, um, of genes that code for enzymes involved in methylation. Um, we've got gluc- um Glutathione transferases—they are very, very important phase two detoxification enzymes, um, as well as um, other pathways, so glucuronidation, sulfation, etc. So, depending on the genetics that you've inherited, you may be uh, have a better capacity or better equipped to eliminate some chemicals and toxins from the environment. In addition to that, it's not just your phase one and phase two detox enzymes that are actually converting, breaking down and eliminating these things. One of, I guess, the byproducts, for lack of a better word, of of this exposure is oxidative stress. And we have very, very powerful antioxidant enzymes, endogenous antioxidants. Um, And many of us have genetic variations that mean that we do not break down uh, these free radicals, this oxidative stress as well. And therefore our um, susceptibility for oxidative stress or high levels of oxidative stress um, is different. So the point of saying all that is that, um, you know, some of us are more sensitive. So when you ask me, and that was a really long answer, sorry, as you can tell, you didn't introduce me. I'm a geneticist, by the way. A long answer about genetics. I just got one question for (laughs) you. So, uh, you know, I could go on and on. But, yeah, so from a genetics perspective, the point of all that is that we're different and some of us will tolerate chemicals and toxins better than others. Of course, it's not only genetics, though. It depends on your nutrition. The genes rely on cofactors, magnesium, zinc, B vitamins. It depends on the level of exposure, other medical conditions, things like that. But the genetics definitely play a role and we're learning much, much more about that.
0: I've got to say, speaking to you (laughs) for quite some time now and learning more and more about genetic SNP testing from you every time I'd speak with you I'd go I get it I get it I get it I get it and then two <laughs> days later I go I don't get it and then I would go I get it I get it and then I go back and each time I'd go back to, but how does this change my treatment? Mm. Do I still have to rely on mm. the, tr- the, the testing, the assessment that I did mm. anyway? Mm. So the question in my mind was, well, so what's the real facility of mm. genetic testing? Mm. Then I did the test. Ah. And it was like, it was a drop. It was a, one of those clunk moments in my life. And it was like, that's how it sits. So I'm going to ask you to try and explain this. You've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with the clinical services, yes. working with bioceuticals. So what hurdles have you come up against? Mm. Can you talk, tell us a little bit about maybe the ethical issues you might have had mm. with certain tests that you'd like to do but can't mm. um, and what, where we're at at the moment?
1: So uh, yes, I have been uh, very lucky to be involved with the Biocerticals Clinical Services uh, project. So Biocerticals have launched clinical services and one of the first um, testing that they are coming out with is genetics. And um, I've been involved in giving some advice and, and helping with that. So um, it has been a longer road than anticipated <laughs> because it is new. And the research is not black and white. Even though I just gave you this answer about phase one and phase two, reality is you need to put it together for that patient. It's not just you've got this that means this. So. You know, the research itself takes time to go through, and I would say the biggest thing that um, we have spent time on, and by the way, the project was going for a few years before I came on board, has really been trawling through those research papers and trying to be as clear um, about that evidence as possible. And it's not always clear. Science isn't black and white. You know, some papers will say, as you know, I'll give the example of MTHFR because we all know it. Some papers say there's a strong association with MTHFR and cardiovascular disease. Others say they don't well, that person might not have high homocysteine because they've got enough B vitamins and folate. So that's how we need to think, pathways, connections, putting it all together. So the research side has uh, been a lot more time consuming, but I really do believe that we're getting it right. And what I would like to say is that we've tried to, I guess, um, put a bit of a a rating or a value on that research, because sometimes um, there are things, like the antioxidant enzymes that I mentioned, they're so powerful, but the evidence, if you were looking at, say, a five star, five star meaning this evidence is very, very strong, you should really uh, put a lot of weight on this with your patient, you know, it might be three stars. And to be honest, you're probably not going to get better than four stars. And that's really your MTHFR with your 677 CC and homocysteine. Strong, strong evidence. So we've developed this rating system in association with the lab. It's based on the Oxford. Um, it's, it's a proper rating scale that has been adapted um, to try to give our practitioners the ability to, to understand how to use this information. Um, there have been other hurdles. You mentioned about particular tests. I'm not sure we were having a conversation. I'm not sure if you're alluding to this about yep. the APOE. Is that yep. where you're going? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, there are things that I wanted as a practitioner. There are things that I know other practitioners want, but we really have to be, I guess, cautious about what we're putting out to the market because we don't want to put the fear in patients. This is all about educating, empowering, helping them make better decision decisions. Um, So something like APOE, we know there's strong evidence around Alzheimer's. Now I know for a fact that many practitioners want to be able to deliver this information to their patients. Anyone that knows about the work that Dale Bredesen's doing in America is phenomenal. He's reversing Alzheimer's. We can do stuff with this information. We can let people know their risk and then we can put things in place. However, unfortunately, those protocols that Dale Bredesen is coming out with, yes, he's publishing some, um, that is not as established as the link with Alzheimer's. So the issue is that um, we don't want to falsely, um, I guess, get people worried or concerned about developing Alzheimer's. And also the lab we're working with was cautious about that, rightly so. Um, We have uh, looked at legal advice and what this means, and what will happen is because people do want it. At the end of the day, people want it, um, what we what we need is just an additional uh, consent form that say that practitioners are willing to counsel their patients on what this means. It's not a diagnostic. It doesn't mean you'll get Alzheimer's. Yes, there's an increased risk, but there are things you can do about it. So just being really clear. So there are some things we haven't been able to include, um, and I guess that's really why it has been taking a long time. We're trying to, um, I'm obviously heavily biased, but put out the best test mm. there is that what practitioners can use based on evidence um, and also, what you can do with that evidence.
0: Leading on from there is a question that was asked of me, mm. um, and that was regarding the legal implications with insurance. Mm. And I think it's a reasonable question that we need to know about. Mm. Um, it, I, I think the day is going to come, mm. whether we like it or not. You know, whether, whatever our stance is right here, the day is going to come when having your genes tested will just be like putting your socks on. Mm. Everybody will know it. And this will lead us into how we can evolve personalised medicine. Mm. But for now at least, mm. we A, don't have the answers, and B, there are certain things that don't necessarily mean, as you've said, mm. that just because you have a SNP allele, that um, that you're going to get a disease mm. um, diagnosis. Correct. Except for some instances. Yes. So can you take us through what are the implications that practitioners, all of us need to know about, with regards to insurance, mm. letting our our patients know what they need to do?
1: Mm. So I think there was a few questions in that. I'll I'll answer the insurance one first. My understanding is at this point in time, there is no um, consequences for doing this kind of testing with your insurance. The issue is that if you are to go for, say, life insurance and they ask if you've done genetic testing, you must disclose that. Like with everything, if you're going for car insurance or house insurance, you need to disclose these things. The difference is we are not doing clinical genetics. When I describe that association with Alzheimer's and ApoE, it's still not a diagnostic, but the things that we're testing are even further away removed. We're talking about genes that break down things like organophosphates or pharmaceuticals or your ability to metabolize folate or your ability to break down free radicals. So these are not disease causing. So very different to clinical genetics. So you are not diagnosing or finding out if someone has an increased risk for a particular disease. Like if we were talking about Huntington's or something, that would be different. That could have some kind of ramification on your, your health insurance or life insurance. So at this point in time, um, there, are, there are no issues, but people need to know that if you are asked that, you must disclose it, of course. Um, I think that the kind of people that are often doing this testing are actually improving their health. So if you're going for life insurance, uh, you may be actually bettering your life and looking after yourself. Maybe they should, they should give people a reduction. And this is me just talking, by the <laughs> way. They should give you a reduction we'll for, taking, for, for taking steps and spending money and trying to, you know, reduce your risk of disease. However, that, that's not there. That's just me talking. So from an insurance perspective, you must disclose it. There shouldn't be any consequences, but as practitioners, I think we all need to try to keep up with this information. I think one thing I could say about biocyticals, and I like working with them, is I'm sure that biocyticals would be keeping their finger on the pulse. And if there were any changes, the first thing they would do would be contact their practitioners to know how to deal with, that, with those situations. But just rest assured, we're not looking for disease associations. So there was a couple of things in that question as well. You talked about genetics, the future. My goodness, this is just the beginning, just the beginning. So, you know, you heard I was in India, which they're getting into genetics too, it's exciting. And then the week before that I was in uh, New Zealand, we're having a conference about genetics too. Uh, In February, I was in New York, and uh, Jeffrey Bland was talking about wearable technology that will contain your genome, all that information, measuring biomarkers, what they are predicting in the future, and the technology that's being produced right now. Like, this is just a stepping stone. This is just baby steps, because this is what we can do right now that is clinically available. Genetic testing is quite easy. You know, we're just trying to decipher the research, but you just wait. Um, however, in saying that, I'm sure laws and insurance and things will change. So we need to, we need to uh, be aware of that.
0: I, I really see no, something really like excited. the beginning <laughs> of... Sorry, getting Is this meant to be di- a short interview? <laughs> How many questions? It's always meant to be. <laughs> you and I get together. It's yeah. not an hour-long podcast. Yeah. Um, I wonder if anybody might have any questions that they want answered in the audience. I was going to ask a quick one, but we need a 20-second answer.
1: Okay, And I'll that try. is, you
0: mentioned about the, 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 the utility of detox. Um, detoxification. Can you give us just a really short example? Mm. Um, Elisa Song was mentioning the ubiquitous nature of glyphosate Mm. and other organic Mm. um, uh, chlorines and and pesticides in our environment. Can you give us just a a quick utility of where you think the detox profile Mm. is useful and what what will it change with your treatment plan Mm. once you know it?
1: so for example for those that have just walked out of the session you're right it's glyphosate, and when we think about organophosphates from a genetic perspective you can tell a lot about someone's genetic capacity to deal with organophosphates so the cytochrome p450s there's a few enzymes that are involved in converting it but pon1 paraoxinase 1 is what breaks down uh, organophosphates and those that have the pon1 enzyme are more susceptible So you can test this, we can find out. Some of your patients may not have the ability or may not think they can afford organic or maybe they're not ready to take that step. When you start educating them about the kind of chemicals, herbicides, pesticides, and then say to them, you're one of the people, you're one of the few that's more sensitive, it's going to help guide them. And often patients, even myself, sometimes we need things on paper and that's that little extra step to say, you know what? I'm actually going to do this. I mean, many of our patients are unwell. That's why they come to us and they will make changes. But hopefully it won't just be people that are sick. It'll be people that are wanting to sort of really, I guess, prevent um, becoming unwell. So from a diet perspective, yes, that directly but also, you know, the pharmaceuticals too. We could talk all about that stuff. There's a lot you can do.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> OK, let's throw. Anybody any questions? No, nope. we all have to go back Probably in. want to go back into your <laughs> session. Sorry, Sorry questions later. <laughs> I'm around. Thanks, Denise. <laughs> this is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Thanks. <laughs> you can find all the videos from the FX Medicine Live stage at the 6th Bioceuticals Research Symposium in Melbourne by going to the FX Medicine website and clicking on Industry Insights under the Community tab.